0: Fantastic stuff coming through on the text messages. We've got uh, the World World Wildlife Foundation, uh, images and space for all the animal conversation. I am all for animal conversation, but I wish more money and time was spent in the conversation of people. Conservation. As of uh, 2016, 116,000 people in Australia were homeless. Mm. Can't imagine how how many are homeless today. It was interesting. I was seeing some stats yesterday that homelessness of youth is, in the UK, in the last four years, has gone up by sixty percent, forty percent. Sorry, forty percent. That's 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 a big jump. That's a massive jump. That that's from, huge. That's like from you know, uh, yeah, uh, eighty thousand to one hundred and twenty thousand. Yeah. I'd, okay. Two things
1: I want to say. It's conservation, not conversation. So just just want to say that. Secondarily, I watched this YouTube video yesterday. It was fascinating. This person was walking down this really like long road that goes through the middle of Philadelphia and the amount of just garbage and homeless people, honestly, like I was, I was like, I don't think I've seen people this poor in my life. And this is the United States. Yeah. Like I've been to poor places, but I was like, for the way that these people are living, like poor, like dirty, like on the
0: street. I'm like, this is wild. It is. It is Mm. just, A terrible tragedy. Mm. Okay, the Oklahoma story. uh, Crazy world. Isn't abortion legal in Oklahoma? The answer is yes. The answer is also that they have been trying to make it illegal, but the courts have consistently blocked them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Texas is the only place that seems that they've come up with a loophole to make it illegal. Uh, Continuing on here, the government pays for abortions. From what you said, it's to do with money in this case. Yeah. There is no justice, God will judge. That's Mm. right, we have a legal system, not a justice system. We Mm. need to remember that. Another one here, the end... It's hard to believe. Oh, so the end. Oh, about the end digital last night. Yeah, we were back on again last night, and we will oh, be back epic. on again tonight. So Sharissa we will be back tonight with another amazing presentation from the end Um And, of course, don't forget to send your questions through. We love to answer your questions on the digital. Um and we will be dealing with them on Friday evening when we have live Q&A. The end. It's hard to believe that most of the world doesn't know the biblical truth about this. Hopefully they will study for themselves and see what the Bible teaches. Mm. And so last night we looked at the subject of of, okay, what does happen when a person dies? Does a person continue to live? Is a person still conscious after death? Is there consciousness after death? Mm. Really what we were what we were looking at, and we were looking at the foundation of spiritualism and how spiritualism is taking over our world. And Satan's first lie that you shall not surely die or you will not really die Mm. has taken over the whole world. So that was what we were looking at last night. Um, And then finally, thanks for clarifying the difference between shame and guilt. Always thankful to learn no matter how old I am.
1: So that, that was, and that was a really good interview. I mean, it was a
0: very powerful interview, particularly you know when he came down to the end and he was talking about Mary Magdalene and 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 I was just sort of mulling on this and and chatting with um with Lawson and Shell uh, during the news how that you know you've got the disciples that are so ashamed to be in the presence of Jesus. Mm you know, when he comes to his trial, that you've got one who runs away and he runs away so fast they grab hold of him and he leaves his clothes behind and keeps running. Mm. You've, then you've got Peter who is prepared to you know stand in the outer court and to use foul language, just, you know, just swear up a, a blue storm just so that he can convince people that he doesn't know Jesus. Mm. And then you've got Mary Magdalene and she just doesn't leave. And, and and she's, she's the person that everybody knows. You are a great sinner. You were caught in adultery. You were a prostitute. You were an unclean person. And you know, you've got that level of shame. And she's like, yeah, I'm not ashamed. Mm Y'all can be ashamed. Y'all can use bad language and run away and all that kind of thing, but I'm not ashamed. Yeah. Because I have experienced real shame and I've experienced freedom from it. Well, the reality is, is like within,
1: us, Like, for every single person, there is a level of shame. Yes. And she, because of her circumstances, has been the only one that's... Well, because of her humble heart,
0: honestly, she's been the only one that's actually confronted it. That's right. It, because that's what the story brings out. She's the one who has confronted it, and she doesn't care because her shame has been taken away by Jesus Christ. Yeah.
1: because there's other people in that story who aren't afraid to be identified with Jesus. I could imagine, like, Joseph of Marimathea, right? Like, he's like one of the richest dudes in Jerusalem. And he's like, oh, yeah, get him get him buried in my tomb. Like, and, and it's like, oh, he he was like rich. Like, he's like a massive rich dude. Like, that, that's the thing is that for, I think for the disciples, and I, I feel like this is just a real symptom of that, their, their upbringing, where they're from, you know, tradesmen, all these things like they've never confronted their guilt and shame it's just always been oh move on you know get the job done work 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 and that's why they're so obsessed with who's the greatest and it's like they've they've never confronted it and realized the fact that
0: I'm and they've never received that same healing that Mary Magdalene that's has right. received
1: that's right so they could never they could never stand at this cross of Jesus it would be it would be too hard for them.
0: And by standing at the foot of the cross of Jesus, as Mary Magdalene does, she is placing herself at the front of every gazing eye that there is in the entire community. She is right out there, bold as, this is where I'm standing. I'm not leaving Jesus. I'm just mm. going to stand here. You can think whatever you want to think, but I have experienced freedom from this show. It's just, it's just a powerful story, just mm. an unbelievably powerful story. Anyway, that's all of our text messages, so uh, we'd love to hear from you guys. Don't forget our number is 0491 Don't forget the N. digital is back on again this evening. And don't forget that if you've got a question that you'd like to send through for question of the day, mm. we would love to hear from you on that point as well. Let's jump into our Bible study. And because we are studying the book of Deuteronomy, let's go to Ephesians. Yep, a classic. Chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 1. Read the first couple of verses first, please,
1: Lawson. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1. The Bible says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Okay, so give us a bit of a summary of what Paul is saying in
0: these first few verses here.
1: Um, So he's essentially like describing someone like, well, the world, the state of the world, and, and where people are at. And it's like, hey, we have a sinful nature. And because of, I guess, like that's our natural state right is, is a sinful nature but then simultaneously compounding the situation he says like oh there's also a person at work in the world like the devil uh-huh and ultimately saying like everything is against you you have a sinful nature there is someone who is leading you to sin as well so thus like you will sin right like that that's that's what he's saying here like so it's a bit grim it is pretty bleak like, you you know, if you take this verse alone, it's just like, okay, like, this is your situation. You're a sinner who is being told the to sin. So you're
0: probably going to sin. Right. <laughs> so we are a sinner. We are in trouble. We are in need of a savior. Our mm-hmm. life is a mess. That's right. That's kind of what... Okay, so where did we get up to? We read verse three, did we?
1: Yeah, we read verse three. And then I, this is the... What's, the...
0: what's the first word in your translation of verse four? But... Uh, The first word of my translation is also but. Mm -hmm. Our translations agree.
1: Yes, that's right. So this is really good.
0: All right. It begins with the word but. Yes. And but is a contrast word. That's right. So when you have the word but, you're going to have, okay, this is the situation, but. Yes. Now comes the contrast. Mm,
1: In contrast, or but, God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead of our sins. He gave us life when he raised Christ
0: from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Let me, let me read it from my translation. The Bible says, But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. I mm. uh, like that he has quickened us. Yeah, wow. Well. I love how the Old English talks about life as uses the word uses the word quick yeah. for life. Because dead people are pretty slow. They are very slow. <laughs> Absolutely.
1: You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Yeah,
0: so if you're reading the King James Version and the Bible speaks about the quick and the dead, it is speaking about the living and the dead. It is not speaking about people who are fast. Oh, All right. okay. Lawson, you're putting pen to paper here, oh, no, I'm just, I'm just wondering what is going on. Shel
1: was just asking what the verse is, and I was going to tell her. It is Ephesians, we're reading chapter 2, and that's up to verse 4. Yes, Ephesians 2 up until uh, verse
0: 5. Verse 5, yes. Yep. All right, so we're, we're leading up to some really uh, critical passages right here. Uh, verse 6 and 7. Mm, so it continues on and says, For he
1: raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who united us with Christ Jesus.
0: Okay, this is a really powerful verse right here. And the, and, and this just is one of these verses that peels back... And exposes what it is that is actually going on uh, in our world. And Mm. so uh, let's work our way through it. The Bible says um, that in verse 5, so we'll pick up the context in verse 5, we're dead. Yes. Sin has killed us. The wages of sin is death. Mm -hmm. We cannot survive sin. Mm. It is a disease that is terminal to every human being. That's right. So we're dead, but... We are made alive or quickened with Jesus Christ Mm. by his grace. And so Jesus comes to us with the gift of life. And then, of course, in uh, verse 6, it says that Jesus has resurrected us. And you're sitting here saying, well, you can only have a resurrection if you've been dead and I've never been actually dead. No, you've been spiritually dead. Yeah, that's right. And when you are spiritually resurrected, it's the same as if you had been are actually dead because you now have a new life. Mm. If you are actually dead, like say for instance Lazarus was actually dead when he was resurrected, he now had a new life. That's, that's right. When we are spiritually dead and we are resurrected, we now have a new life, mm. just as just in, in just as real a way as what Lazarus did. Okay, so he's raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. What does
1: that mean? I think, like, and as it says in my Bible, it's talking about a unity amongst the people, which I feel like is a real key step. Like, it's like, okay, you're dead in sin. What is, like, what is, like, the big effect of sin? It's like, okay, well, death is the ultimate outcome, but why does that death take place? Well, firstly, separation from God which is like, it's like pulling, you know, the light out of the socket. Like it's going to turn off eventually, even if it's, you know, sometimes, you know, when you plug your, like your wall charger in, it's got a little light on it, you pull it out. And then like the electricity in it, like the little light on it lasts for like maybe five seconds at the most. And then just fades out. That is essentially our existence. Like we've been pulled, the plug's been pulled and we're going to fade out and die. uh But secondarily, like what's happened is that we have been separated from each other. Like Adam and Eve put clothes on, they, um, you know, covered their nakedness. Like, cause for me, uh, in my logic, I'm like, oh, what's the problem with God seeing me naked? Like, I'm pretty sure he knows. What's the point there? Why did they feel shame? Well, f- between each other. And so there's, yeah, there's been this big disunity between us and God and between us and other people. And so what's happening here is, okay, through Christ Jesus, there's a unifying between us and God. We were yes, once dead, yes. unified. And then it's like, you know, bringing together the saints it's like the same thing it's like again there's a unifying between us and other people those vulnerabilities those barriers that have been created by sin and now stripped are now demolished and destroyed it doesn't mean like that we all you know become nudists or something like that uh but ra- <laughs> but, uh, but rather no it's like saying that we can actually be united as a people which is so di- like with when when sin is present in life it is so difficult to trust people. And I feel yes. like, dude, our interview with David Haupt is, is so poignant for this topic. Like, people suffering from guilt and shame because they've been hurt by who? By people. People have hurt them. When sin is present, like, it's impossible to be, be vulnerable because all you get for being vulnerable in return is pain. That's right. And abuse and, mm-hmm. like, mistrust and, like, every terrible thing. Like... All you get is hurt but it's like, hey no, we can actually be vulnerable because of the lack of sin if sin leaves then we can we can trust like we can be vulnerable like you know for example like between my family members right like um you know I I wouldn't lock the door in my house where I live at the, I live with my dad no why would I lock the door why would my dad won't steal my stuff? No. 100%. If I was living in like an eight-person share house, like, you know, like uni accommodation. okay, You might lock like your door. I would be more inclined. But sure. my dad, like, we love each other, dude. Like, yeah, why would I lock my door in my own house? Absolutely. And so, it's, yeah, I just see very clearly here. It's like once sin is removed, this unity can take place again amongst people.
0: I think that's fantastic. I also want to look at another aspect here where God says that he wants to make us sit in heavenly places and and look at, okay, why does God want us to make us sit in heavenly places and what does that actually Mm. mean? Okay, so let's think about this. We're dead in sin. We're destroyed by sin. Sin has wrecked us. We are a mess. We are a disaster. And then we give our lives to Jesus Christ and so God comes along and he resurrects us as a new person. Mm. And then what happens Let's look at this from a great controversy perspective. The universe is looking on, and they're looking at this conflict between Christ and Satan. Yeah, And Satan's saying, my way is better, and God is saying, no, my way is better. And Satan is saying that your your, your way, God, is restricting people and not giving them freedom. And and, and and God is saying, no, my way is actually giving people freedom because it's giving them pre- f- freedom to live mm. and to have life abundantly. And so you've got this conflict going on. Somebody is living Satan's way, and their life is being destroyed, they then choose to live God's way and they become a new person, and God sets them in heavenly places. Why? Because now the whole universe can see the results of the power of God's grace. Mm. And so they become exhibit A for God. Mm. They were exhibit A for Satan. Now they're exhibit A for God, and the universe can see the corruption. And so now they are sitting in heavenly places because the universe is looking at the witness that they are living in their wow. lives. Mm. And this is what I see, particularly as I move on here. Um Where are we? Uh, yeah, when you get to verse 7. Verse 7, that in the ages to come... He might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Read that for me in your translation. Dude, my translation actually makes this really cool. Like, I I like this. It says, So
1: God can point to us in all future ages as examples of his incredible wealth of his
0: grace and kindness towards us. Okay, so why would God need to point towards us? There are those... Who take a very narrow view of the universe and say that well the universe is is uh, there is heaven there is God there is angels there is planet Earth and that's it and it's flat. There are those who say that as well, but I'm not going with those <laughs> who say that. I'm just going <laughs> to saying that there are a vast number of Christians who would say that the only life that exists in the universe is God, angels, and humans. Nothing else. The rest of the universe mm. is an empty desert wasteland. And so why would God need to, through the ages to come, be pointing to human beings? The answer is that the universe is full of life. Mm. And that life has the power of choice. And the reason it has the power of choice is because God is love, and love is what creates the power of choice. That's right. And because the universe has the power of choice, God can continually demonstrate to the universe, it's like, okay, if you want to choose sin, you have that power. I'm never going to remove Mm. that from you. But look at this person over here. Yeah. They once lived in sin. Go and have a conversation yeah. with them. Here is exhibit A. They are sitting in, in, in heavenly places. Why are they sitting in heavenly places? Because of the power of my grace. Mm. Go talk to Lawson. Go talk to Lyle. We'll be doing the Faith FM show in heaven. and yes. <laughs> For the rest of eternity, human beings will have a testimony to bear that no other being in the universe can bear. Mm. No other other being can share our testimony. Mm. I love that hymn. You know, uh, uh, when we sing redemption story, angels fold their wings for angels never knew the joy that our salvation brings. Mm. They can't sing the songs that we sing. Wow. Because they've never been there. They've never experienced it. Mm. We will forever be bearing testimony to the power of God's grace. Yeah, wow.
1: And ultimately at the end of verse 7 gives the reason why. It's like, as shown in all he has done
0: for us who, who are united with Christ Jesus. Yes. So it brings it right the way back, back around to the unity that you were talking about uh, that comes about as a result of the power of God's grace in our lives. Mm. Ah, there's so many fantastic things in this passage. We haven't finished it yet. We've got to read all the way through to verse ten, and there's some famous verses coming up. You should have these verses memorized. I think that many of you do. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We're in Ephesians two. That's right. Like just the best chapter ever. Ephesians two. Why don't you read for us now these verses? Now that we've given this background, where. You know, Paul talks about how we will be witnesses for the plan of salvation. We will be evidence for the character of God for the rest of eternity mm. that the universe will look to us for answers that they cannot get anywhere else. Mm. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Uh, let's read the next three verses. Wait, hold on. <laughs> Hold on, let me, let me let me get my Bible. Out. Okay, so he's got it uh, open in the NLT, and it's just not going to work um, for him look, in the NLT. It's,
1: it's just it's this. This is in it, guys.
0: Uh... <laughs> Come on, I want to hear what it sounds like in the NLT. I've never heard this. Okay, all right, all right. God saved you by
1: His grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. So Sal- okay. salvation is not a reward from the for the good things you've done. Uh, so no one can boast about it. But we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do g- the good things He planned for us long ago. That's not so bad. It's it's not
0: bad, but it's just not what I. It's not for by I grace mean. are you saved through <laughs> faith that not of yourselves is yeah. the gift of God, not of works lest any Anyone man should, should boast. boast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just not quite the same. And is we it? are
1: His workmanship, you know, created, created in Christ, Christ Jesus, Jesus for good it. works. Yeah,
0: classic. So you've got NKJV, you've got old KJV. Yeah. It's slightly different, but yeah. pretty much the same. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Alright, so this is a fantastic passage. And of course, this is a passage that most Christians it's probably the second most famous passage in the Bible after John 3.16. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I'd put it in the top ten. Definitely in the top something, ten. Yeah, Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, you know, first John 1 9, like First John 1 9, I'd put that in the top ten. Yeah. Yeah, yeah something like that. Anyways yeah. Very famous verse. Like especially Very famous. But I feel like John three sixteen is like the advertising verse. It's like the everyone knows it whether you're a Christian or not. Like Yes. But this is more like within Christian circles. Like you just have to say like half of this phrase, like for by grace, and then someone could follow that with you've been saved. Like within a Christian circle. Within a Christian
0: circle, anybody's gonna That's right. Anybody's going to be able to finish the verse for you. Mm. Okay, so what's interesting here is that Paul makes this big, big emphasis in verse 8 and 9 is like, okay, you guys are going to be uh, witnesses. You're going to be the example. You're going to sit in heavenly places. uh, You're going to be the go-to place for the universe when they want questions about the character of God Mm. because of the fact that you are saved by grace and not by your good works. Yeah, that's right. Because if you were saved by your good works, you wouldn't be the go-to person to understand the character of God. You'd be the go-to person on how to live a good life. Yeah, that's right. Um, People would go to you and like... Teach us how to live a good life. That's right. Where in this case, they are going and saying, teach us how God's grace saved you. Mm. That's a
1: big difference. They're not, God isn't making self help gurus. That's not who we're going to be no, in heaven. No, you know, not at all. You know, we're not going to be publishing books called ways, ways to Live Your Best Life and stuff like that. It's No, we're probably just going to be pointing back to scripture.
0: That's right. <laughs> Ways to let God live through you. Mm. And so because we are saved, if we were saved by our works, we would be a witness to the universe of how to do good things. Because we are saved by, we would be a witness to the universe about ourselves. Yeah. And we would be in the universe in a position where we could boast. Definitely. And say, I did these good things and that's how I got here. But because we are saved by grace, we are a witness to the universe of God's character, Mm. not our character. Yes. That God is glorified and we can't boast because there's nothing that we have done that got us into heaven. Mm. So this is where it becomes a really powerful, you know, you put this whole chapter into its context, it becomes incredibly powerful in relationship to uh, the great controversy the big picture in the universe and the role that we get to play for the rest of eternity as being exhibit A of the power of God. And so this is one of the reasons why Paul emphasizes this so much. He's like, you're not going to be witnessing. You're not going to be witnessing to your power in heaven. You're going to be witnessing to the power of God. You're not going to be talking about your works in heaven. You're going to be talking about the works of God. Mm. And then you've got verse 10. So having established the fact that we are going to be there to talk about the power of God, we have verse 10. Yeah, and continues
1: on, you know, for we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good
0: works. Okay, so now here's the next element of this witness that comes in. Mm. Because when the universe comes to talk to us, when, when the various beings out there, whoever it is in the universe, comes to talk to us about the power of God's grace, and we say, well, actually, there's nothing. I can't tell you anything about myself. Mm. because in myself just, I just—I was dead to sin. I was dead in sin. Uh, but I can tell you about God's grace, and I can tell you what God's grace did in my life. I can't boast anything about myself. I can't tell you about myself, but I can tell you about God. Mm. And this is what God did. God came into my life and God changed my life so that I did good works. Yes. You see, I didn't need God in my life to continue living a sinful life. Mm. I was already doing a really good job of that. I needed God in my life so that I could live a righteous life. Mm. I didn't need God in my life so I could continue breaking his law because I was doing a fine job of breaking his law without God. Didn't need his help to do that. Do a fine job all by myself. Yeah. I needed God in my life so that I could keep God's law. Mm. And the evidence of all of the good works that you see in my life, I can't boast about any of them. Mm. Because all of those good works that you see, they come from Jesus and from Jesus alone. Totally. You know, I've heard it said before, like, we are fantastic
1: evangelists, every single one of us, about a lot of things. Like, of you know, whether it's a movie or a song or whatever, like, we are, we are great witnesses of things that we like. Like, yes. of cars, of motorbikes, of whatever, and even of Satan. Like, we are fantastic evangelists. We are very good it's at... sad, isn't it? It's of representing a lot of things. It's really sad. And being a witness to that. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, it, and it shows me, it's like, and what this verse is really saying, it's like, okay, the reason we need to change life is so that we can actually become a witness of yes. God. Because if we're not witnessing of God, then we're witnessing
0: for something else. That's right. Totally. Like... Uh, People and it, and represent and themselves by. All I don't kinds know about you, Lawson, but I get I get discouraged by this at times because it's like you buy a motorbike, your friend turns up, sees the motorbike, the next day he buys a motorbike. Mm. You come to work on your motorbike. I do a lap around the block here. I want to buy a motorbike, <laughs> and it's kind of like why can I be such a motorbike evangelist so easily <laughs> and sad. struggle so much in sharing Jesus Christ? Mm. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel the same. You know, I get interested in something. And so then a friend of mine gets interested in it and they start doing it as well. And suddenly it's like, where, what's going on here? Yeah. These are just things that are just going to burn. That's right. They're just temporary. Totally. If only I was sharing Jesus Christ in the same way. You know, I feel guilty about it sometimes. Mm. If only I was sharing Jesus Christ in the same way. I was sharing some of my other interests. But at the same time, like, we
1: really have to to realize that I think it's so easy to share our interests because we don't need the Holy Spirit to tell people that. But like, whereas for people to make a decision to choose God over self, yes, this is like, this is one of the biggest and most powerful decisions that a person can make in their life. And it's where it's like, man, we're really at war at that point. And as we've read through this passage, there is someone working against us to actively thwart us from doing so. Indeed. So it's ooh, it's tough. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. But right now it is time for
0: question of the day.
1: All right. Well, question of the day is Jesus chose to die for us. So why is Judas so condemned for his
0: role in it? Okay. So if Jesus was going to do it anyway, then why condemn Judas? Mm. Um, And the other thing too is when you stop and think about it, we could argue, the argument could be made that Judas had good motivation because uh, Jesus, you know, Judas wanted to see Jesus excel and he wanted to see Jesus come into his kingdom. He felt that Jesus was being too humble. Uh He felt that if, gave, if he gave Jesus a bit of a prod that Jesus would be forced to show his power. He knew that Jesus had the power. So, okay, get him arrested and then the entire world will see the power that Jesus has and they will... Um, as a result of that, have to worship him because, you know, Jesus will just break free and walk away from, you know, whatever mobs there are that turn up to try and take him away. Mm. And Jesus has this supernatural power, so just force him to use it and force him to reveal his hand, and then everyone will worship him. So you can kind of, if you put yourself in Judas's shoes, you can kind of see where he's coming from and say, okay, the guy had good motivation for doing a bad thing, can't you?
1: Uh I I feel uncomfortable saying that. Yes, particularly
0: because the Bible calls Judas the son of perdition. And so why does the Bible condemn Judas so much? Because the fact is that if Judas hadn't played the role that he played, Jesus still would have died. Okay, but the fact is that Judas did play that role. That fact remains. Regardless of whether Jesus would have died or not, Judas played that role and he did those things. Um. And it's been added to the question, especially since he was humbled and remorseful. I I I am struggling to see humility and remorsefulness in this story, and I'm going to uh I'm going to show why. Okay. So, first of all, what Judas does is very, very blatantly deceitful. Mm-hmm. And that's always wrong. It is always wrong to dis- to deceive. You do not deceive people for the right reasons. Deceitfulness is ne- there's never a place for that. The second is that it's manipulative. So if Judas, Jesus, if Judas is trying to for, get Jesus to force his hand and reveal that he is actually God, then what are we trying to do? Trying to manipulate God? It was incredibly manipulative on the behalf on behalf of Judas to try and pull this uh, particular scheme off. The third thing, and this is what makes it probably the most heinous out of everything, is that money was involved. Mm. And as soon as money changes hands, motivation is revealed. And so, what we find is that we might come up with, you know, have a think about it and say, well, I can think of all of these good reasons for why Judas did what he did, and I can think of, you know, reasons that you know were not so bad, and we can give him a bit of a break here and there because of, you know, some good reasons that Judas might have had. But the fact is, when the money changed hands, we now know that this was not about good reasons. This was about greed. Yes. You know, he'd be happy to see Jesus reveal himself as God and happy to get a pocket full of money at the same time. For Judas, this was a kind of a win-win. Because once Jesus reveals himself as being God, he's then going to be, you know, in a position where he is, you know, promoted and he is one of the close associates of the head of the new Jewish empire. And so he's going to get a bit of money on the side. He's going to get promotion. You start to see what it is that Judas is actually being motivated by. The next thing that makes this particularly heinous, uh, apart from that money is involved, is that this was premeditated. Yes. You know, if you look at what Peter did on the same night, and Peter denied Jesus, you know, on that same night, basically to his face. But what Peter did was not premeditated. Judas had plenty of time to think about this. Judas was going around behind the backs of the other disciples. He was having secret meetings. He was scheming and he was planning a way of being able to manipulate Jesus and fill his money with pockets at the same time, his his pockets Pockets with money. money. Um, Then you've got to consider the fact that Jesus was his closest friend and finally the, the, the biggest issue out of all of it, is that Judas never repented for what he had done. He merely repented because of the consequences of what happened. Mm. And there you see the difference between, say, Saul and David. David actually committed worse sins than what Saul did, but David repented because he was sorry for what he had done and the damage that it would bring to the reputation of God. Saul only repented because of the consequences and the fact that he would lose the kingdom. And this was the kind of repentance that Judas had. And this explains uh, why his repentance was so much different from Peter's repentance. And his repentance was repentance that was not repentance unto salvation, whereas Peter's was. There's a few thoughts on Judas, Peter, and the crucifixion. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.